please stand for the reading of the word. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 4. You may be seated. Thanks, Emma. Hey, I'm glad you're here. And, you know, uh, somebody was saying that I had jinxed us because I talked about it raining so much on Sundays and it has not relented. So we're going to pray for that to change right now. No. Uh, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you up. Um, I'm going to catch you up. I want to go all the way back to Easter, which I don't know about you. That seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? And it's only been a, a few weeks, but I'm going to go all the way back. We, we've been in Romans. This is the fourth week. Uh, we've, we've been doing Romans in sections where we'll do a section of Romans, and then we'll come back to something else, then we'll do a section of Romans, come back. And, and so this is the fourth week in Romans. This is, part, this, this is the fourth week of part two. And all these resources are online. Uh, you can go online and get all these resources. You can go back and watch the, the messages. Uh, you, you can look at the, the After Church podcast where we explain a little bit in more in depth of what we're talking about on Sunday. And so on Easter Sunday, we did Romans 5. Where we just talked about this great love that God had for us, that he sent Jesus and Jesus died, but Jesus also rose from the dead. And in doing so, he gave us peace, hope, and life. Peace, hope, and life. That was Romans 5. Then in Romans 6, we get to Romans 6. Romans 5 is great. Romans 5 is so good. Get to Romans 6, and he starts talking about that we have this sin issue, this sinful nature, and that we've come to this place in our life that we don't want to sin anymore. And I've been doing this illustration the last three weeks, so I'm going to do it today, that Jesus said that, the, that, that there's two roads. You can be on this path that leads to death, or you can be on this path that leads to life. That if you accept him, it leads to life. If you don't have him, it leads to death. And this, this path that leads to death, sin is the cause. It's a, uh, Romans says that the wages of sin is death. That because we sin, we get death. That's, that's what happens. And so we're on this path to death, and Jesus has given us life. In Romans 6, you accept Christ... And you die to that path. I don't want to go down that path anymore. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to be like that. I know it's wrong. I know it's bad. I'm sick of it. That's what Romans 6 is. And, and we make this decision. You heard me say, you draw a line in the sand. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Whatever it is, I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't want to be like that. And then you get to Romans 7 where Paul, who's the apostle who saw Jesus, who uh, wrote the New Testament, 13 books of the New Testament, who started churches, uh, who worked miracles, that we get to Romans 7 and Paul goes, man, I struggle with sin. He said, I struggle. He said, I don't do what I want to do. And we talked about last week that when you follow Jesus, it is a fight. It is a fight. It is not for the weak. It is not for the timid. That is a fight because you are, you are saying, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore, and I have this sin all around me. It's in me. It's all around me, and, and, and these things, and, and they pop up from time to time, and, I, man, I get mad when I do them, and I, I, I disappoint myself and these things, and so it's just struggle. Well, then we go through those three weeks, and then we get to the today, and I told you last week that I was going to teach you how to fight. 
that I'm going to teach you how to fight, that how do you fight? If you're in a struggle, how do you and I fight? How do we fight sin? How do we fight to be who we're supposed to be? And here's how you fight. You fight as a child of God. You fight as a child of God. You don't fight to be a child of God. You fight as a child of God. And you're going to hear in Romans 8, this, this scripture over and over again, he talks about children of God, children of God, child of God, that you and I, because when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're part of God's family. You become a child of God. You're no longer a child of the enemy or a child of yourself or a child of the devil, whatever you want to call it. You're not. You've changed. You become a child of God. You're part of the family of God. That's what happens when you accept Jesus Christ. So, long way. I mean, a long four weeks. I got there in a pretty quick time. So anyway, everybody caught up? Everybody good? All right. Well, here's the thing about being a child of God. Family has privileges. Now, we talked about this a couple months ago where I talked about that when you have guests over your house, you say, make yourself at home. But you really don't mean it. You don't. You say, what you really mean is make yourself at home in this room right here. You're not telling them to get in your bed. You're not. Just jump into bed in here. Just use my pillow. We're not, hey, you can use our, you're not, you're not doing those things. You're not. You're not. You're, you're saying, hey, make yourself at home in this area right here. But here's the thing. You don't say that to your family. You don't, you don't say, and I, I thought about it, you don't say to your kids, hey, make yourself at home. You know why? They're going to do it anyway. They're already there, aren't they? They've already done it, man. You don't say, hey, if you want something to eat, get something out of the No, no, no. If something's in the refrigerator, it's fair game. It's gone. You don't know how many times we've made a big meal. I've got four kids. We made a big meal, and I got two high school boys. We make a big meal, and I'm thinking, you know, I'll eat that tomorrow. I wake up in the morning. It's gone, y'all. I mean, gone. You know what? They didn't ask. They didn't say, hey, anybody? Nuh-uh. Woke up in the middle of the night. And, Let's go get this. There's gone. <laughs> Your family doesn't say, hey, can I get the Wi-Fi password? You know what? They're, it happens all, they got it hooked up. It's automatic. Your family doesn't say, hey, can I use the restroom? Can I use your restroom? They don't say that. They will probably use your restroom. You know what I'm talking about? They don't say. They don't say if they if you have a pool, that they if you have a pool, they don't say, hey, hey, hey can I use a pool? No, no, no. They're gonna swim. If you live on a lake, they don't say, or if you have a boat, they don't say. They just use it. They just do it. That's what it's family privileges. It's what we do when you when you have family. That there's certain things that family gets privileges. So I'll give you a couple more examples. If you call me and I'm in a meeting. I love you to death. I may or may not answer in that moment. I may or may not. It may hurt your feelings. It's just the truth. If one of my kids or Leslie calls me in that meeting, guess what happens? The meeting stops. I say, hey, guys, it's it's Leslie. She calls. Hey, I say, hey, we're in a meeting. Can I call you back? I just want to make sure you're okay. Everybody with me on this? And they go, we're not in my work. We don't do it. I'm just telling you how it works in my world. As a matter of fact, family having privileges is so important that when my kids were seniors, when my kids were seniors, I, I would not do, I would do weddings, but I would tell anybody I did a wedding for, I will not be there on Friday night in the fall. I will be at the football game. I won't come to, I won't come to your rehearsal. Look, and I said, this is the deal. I'm only going to get one shot at this, one senior year. I'm only going to get one shot at this with my kids. And it's because family has privileges. And so the same thing is true, listen to me, in the family of God. There are these privileges that we have, and we fight as family that, that you're not helpless. You and I are not helpless. We're not helpless. We're not helpless. We're not in this battle for sin, and God's up there, and he's going, well, good luck, everybody. Hope it works out. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. He said, hey, you're part of my family, 
And here's some privileges that you get as far as being part of the family of God. So I'm going to walk through them. There's four. The first is this. We are not condemned. We are not condemned. Now, that may sound like, well, that, that seems kind of harsh. Why would I be condemned? I was watching this show called Forensic Files, and there was an episode about a guy named Gerald Mason who, when he was in his 20s, in the, it was in 1960, he raped someone and then shot two police officers and killed them, and they never caught him. Never caught him for 40 years. And he, this happened in California. He migrated all the way to Columbia, South Carolina and lived there on two gas stations and had built this life and never paid the consequences for his acts. Well, anyway, as science came around and, and science got better, that they found out who he was and where he lived. And they found him 40 years after that, 40 years later, and they arrested him. And he was condemned because of his acts to spend the rest of his life in prison, and he died in prison. And if you're hearing that, you're like me. Well, yeah, justifiable. Justif justifiably so. He should have paid the penalty for his acts. Once you hear this, you and I are the same. That you and I stand before God not as good people. We stand before God as sinners who are guilty. Guilty. That... If we were not part of the family of God, we would be condemned. We would be condemned. We would be found guilty. And you go, Gary, you don't know. Listen, listen to me. I, I've done this before. Has anybody here ever told a lie? Has anybody ever stolen something? Has anybody ever cheated? Has anybody ever lusted? Has anybody ever been so jealous that, that they, they were so mad that they were so jealous of somebody that they wrote that person? Anybody been selfish? Anybody been so mad they thought, well, I could kill that person? And then we, we don't talk about things like this in church. We were just so angry that we had these things that you and I, if, if we were honest with ourselves, if we, were, if we could really take a, a, a true look at who we are, we deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. But you get to Romans 8, and we get, when you're part of the family of God, that you and I are not condemned. Look at the Scripture. These are the most, to me, some of the most beautiful words in Scripture. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. One of, the, one of the privileges of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that you and I are not condemned. We're not condemmed. There's not a smidgen of condemnation, not a little bit. There's not, hey, on your good day, maybe you'll be okay. No, no, there's no condemnation. Listen to me. For anything that you've ever done, past, present, and future, nothing you ever do, you will not be condemned. It's part of being the family of God, that God, because of this, he says, and because you belong to him, that you're part of his family, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us. He's talked about we, we tried to follow this law, try to be good. We try to, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work that we had to have something else because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And then he gives us this, this news. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins, that you and I, Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for our sins, that you and I are not condemned. Listen to me, never going to be condemned. Never, ever. Never, ever going to be condemned for anything we've ever done, that there's no condemnation that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is a huge privilege. He says, he did this so that the just requirement of the law 
the fact that we are guilty and we deserve to be condemned would be satisfied through Jesus Christ. It was through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Listen, this is huge. Hear me on this. So many times we feel like I have to earn my way back into God's good graces. We've talked about this before. That, I, that I'm going to do good to try to make God less upset at me or, or less this. And, and, and it's like it's because we feel guilty about our sins. Hear me on this. God's forgiven you. I'm not saying you don't need to ask forgiveness. Hear me. Listen to me. He's forgiven you of everything you've ever done. You stand before him. Listen to me. He looks at you and says, I declare you're righteous. That you're righteous. You know, I don't feel righteous. I'm telling you what God says. He says, you're righteous. I'm righteous. I don't feel righteous. Here's my struggle. Look, I was thinking about this on the way over here today. I have a hard time believing this stuff. You know what? Because I know the stuff I do wrong. I get disappointed in myself. Sometimes I walk in here on Sunday and think, I got no business telling these people how to follow Jesus Christ because I struggle with it. Hear me, hear me. I'm going to preach to myself, and I want you to listen to me while I do it. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. None, zero, for anything you've ever done. Now, again, it doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want. But Martin Luther wrote these words. He wrote these words, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther. He wrote these words. He said, be a sinner and let your sins be strong. But let your trust in Christ be stronger. And when he's saying, hey, you're going to sin, we're all going to sin. And but you know what? And it's okay. But man, we've got it. We've got a champion, Jesus Christ, who's paid the penalty. We are not going to be condemned for it. Trust Jesus more than you do the thoughts that you have in your head. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, is we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us. At salvation, when we become a child of God, it is a seal, a sign of salvation. You heard me talk about it. When you accept Christ, God's Spirit comes to live inside of you. He's called the Holy Spirit, and He is a guide. He is a comforter. He is a counselor. He is a personal trainer. And this is one of the privileges that God gives us. Listen to me. Hear me on this. Only children of God get the Spirit of God. Only the children of God get the Spirit of God. That if, if you follow Jesus Christ, God's Spirit, this is such a privilege, that God has chosen to dwell inside of you. He's chosen to live inside of you, to guide you, to teach you, to help you. That His Spirit lives inside of us. And so many times we forget this. And this Holy Spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we listen to Him, when we yield to Him, He shapes us and changes us and helps us to follow Christ. And I'm going to walk through these scriptures. It's a little bit lengthy, this part is, but I want you to hang with me right here. We have the Holy Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Meaning before you followed Christ, that's what you did. You thought about sinful things. You didn't think anything about it. Didn't bother you. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. These are things that the Holy Spirit is going to, and it's going to back up what the Word of God says. It's going to be the things, that, hey, you need to do this, or, or stop doing that, or hey, I love you. Hey, you're not condemned. These things are the truths of the Bible, the promises of the Bible, the teachings of the Bible. So letting this, your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Holy Spirit, the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Meaning it's just not going to work. You're going to try, but you've got this sinful nature. You've got to change. You've got to allow and be controlled by the Spirit. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature because you accepted Christ. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Now, here's the third or fourth week that Paul's told us this, that the Spirit gives us life, that, is, that, that he's going to go back to this whole thing that since Jesus was raised from the dead, you are not going to be raised from the dead. And he's reminding us, oh, no, you know what? Because it's hard for us to believe. You and I have this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you He's going to guide you. He's going to remind me. He's going to guide me of who we are in Christ, that we have this spirit, and he's going to start with our mind. You know why he starts with the mind? Because sin starts in the mind. Very rarely do you sin without thinking about it first. As a matter of fact, I don't know. I, every now and then you might react. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not in charge of that. But most of the time we've thought about it before we've done it. And he says that you change the way you think, and when you change the way you think, then you change the way you live. The Holy Spirit does that in our lives. And then go down to verse 11. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give, you life, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. That we have this privilege, this family privilege, that only those who are part of the family of God get the Spirit of God in their life which doesn't sound like, okay, I got you, Gary. That's good. We're not condemned. I got the spirit. I've heard all this, which leads me to the third one. I want to spend a little bit of time here. We have Holy Spirit power. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you have Holy Spirit power in your life? Do you have Holy Spirit power in your life? I, I dare to say when we talk about that, people go, that's a little weird. Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit power. That word power there is the word dunamis. It's the word we get for dynamite. We got Holy Spirit dynamite in our life. Anybody got Holy Spirit? You're thinking something crazy is about to happen, don't you? It's about to get real. Holy Spirit power in your life. So many times we think I've accepted Christ and I'm going to church, I'm doing some good things, but we don't think, hey, I've got supernatural power in my life. Supernatural power. The Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. Let me tell you something. He's not a chump. He's not a wimp. He's powerful. You say, how, how, how powerful could he be? Powerful enough to make you more like Jesus Christ. That you and I have this power in our life. Listen to me. That the very thing that we don't want to do, he'll give us the power not to do it. That on my own, my willpower, probably not going to do it. Probably not going to do it. But with Holy Spirit power, the power of the living God inside of me, hear me, hear me. Nothing's impossible. There's no sin. 
There's no addiction. There's no ailment. There's, no, there's nothing that he can't handle. And I'm not here to say that he's going to heal everybody, but he has the ability to heal, has the ability to change. He has the ability to, to make things new in your life. He has, the, he has the ability to take the pieces that are broken and to put them back together. Unbelievable. That's Holy Spirit power. Now, so many times we don't look at it. We kind of think that God wants to dress us up on the outside, but nothing's really changed on the inside. As a matter of fact, how many of you remember when you used to come to church and wear your Sunday best? You remember that? Wear your Sunday best? What happened to y'all? I'm just kidding. That's all I got. That's all I got. Well, you know, we would dress up for God. We'd dress up. We'd dress up. And, and, and you know, I'm not a, some churches still do that, and that's great. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mocking that by any means. Um, but it was like this thing, we're going we're gonna to dress up on the outside to kind of cover up what's going on, on the inside. And I heard this story, Mitchell told me, my son Mitchell told me this story this week about this pastor named Kyle Ottoman, that he was pastoring a church in California, and they wanted him to pastor a huge church in Louisville to come be on staff there. And they met with him, and they said, we want to hire you, but we have one condition. We want you to, to wear a suit when you preach. And Kyle said, I'm not going to do it. He said, that's not who I am. And, and the leaders of the church said, if you, go, if you were to go before the president, if you were going to meet the president, he said, what would you wear? You, you, you would dress up. You would wear your very best before the president. And Kyle looked at him and said, if the president was my dad, I'd wear what I want. I want you to hear this on me, that God's not trying to make you wear something and try to dress you up and outside. There's Holy Spirit power, listen to me, not to change the outside so you look good and then when you go home, you're exactly the same. I'm talking about Holy Spirit power to change you from the inside out. To listen to me, to change the way you think, to change your desires, to change uh, the way, the, the, the things you say, what you do. There's Holy Spirit power. You say, man, I'm stuck. Guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to help you and we're gonna talk about this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you the scripture and I'm gonna make some points, but I want you to catch this. We limit the Holy Spirit by the way we think about it. We don't think like, man, the Spirit's giving me power to overcome this. So look at the scripture right here. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. He's saying, again, you're not helpless. You can know none of us are going to stand and go, I'm helpless. I couldn't help myself. No, you can. You can. You can start to change. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You will experience life. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and you now call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we will also share in his suffering. A lot of scripture here. If we could go back to the first, the first slide of that scripture. The first thing is this, is that you're going to be led by the spirit. You make the decision that I'm going to listen to God's spirit. I'm led by the spirit that God's spirit it's working inside of me. I am not helpless that I, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. And then we go to the second one, the second slide. He says that we've been adopted. 
that you've been adopted. I, I, I know we're getting technical here, but I'm going I'm to give you a word that, that um, I, don't use, I don't know if I've ever used in a sermon, but I'm going to start, okay? We're going to be glorified. Now, we use the word glorified. That's a glorified hamburger or something like, you know, just something that's not very good. But here's what the scripture says, that you and I have been adopted into God's family. We've been given his spirit. We're being changed and we're going to be changed on the day that Christ returns. That you and I have been glorified. That we're going to be part of God's glory. That God's working his glory in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then if we get to the last one. It says, because we're his children, we're his heirs. So three things here, and I'm going to walk you through it. Three things. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, the power to change us. Now, this, this Holy Spirit power, you go, how, how powerful is it? Well, Paul said to Timothy, he says that you have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And then Paul also said that the Spirit was so powerful in our lives that it had the ability to produce fruit, to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if you have those things in your life that, that, that you know the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you have some areas in your life that, that are not as strong, then you say, hey, I need to work on these things through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word, through prayer, my efforts plus God's effort, but He's the one that's doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that it is through His power. Which leads me to the last one. It makes us heirs. Now, have you ever done something... Um, where you got in trouble, and when you're instead of getting um, spanked, anybody get spanked? I got it a lot, anyway. But anyway, so you get spanked. Your dad or your mom said, "They didn't spank you. They just looked at you and said, I'm disappointed in you.' That was the worst, wasn't it? I'm disappointed. You're like, oh gosh, dude, I'm disappointed in you. I want you to hear this. God's not disappointed in you. Sometimes God's disappointed with what we do, but hear me on this, hear me. He's made you and I heirs. And what that means, instead of us thinking that God's disappointed in us, we're just kind of disappointed in ourselves. Here's the truth. I don't want to let God down. Sometimes I do. I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let him down. I'm not saying I could. I just have this thing, but, but, but I've, been made, I've been adopted in his family, being in the Holy Spirit power. I'm an heir. I'm an heir to the Father. He's given me everything. I can use this boat. He's got a pool. I can use the pool. I can go to the refrigerator as much as I want. Then I'm part of the family. He's given me this power, the, the, the shortcomings I have, power to overcome these things, which leads me to the last one. So we have hope. That you and I have this hope in our life because we're part of the family of God. Now, I'm going to walk you through this. We're not condemned. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Holy Spirit power in our life to change us, and even in the areas where we don't think it's possible, which leads us that we have hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. And so I'm going to walk through this scripture very quickly. Yet what we suffer is nothing compared to the glory we were, he will reveal to us later. Meaning even in the midst of suffering, that we're going to be glorified. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. 
that Christ is going to come back. All this is going to be over. We're going to know it. We're going to, we're going to be part of God's family or we're not. Against his, its will, creation was subjected to God's curse, which means that when Adam and Eve sinned, it's called the fall, that things started going bad, that sin entered the world. It was a curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit in us as a foretaste of our future glory. We're going to be glorified. The Holy Spirit's reminding us that it's not going to be like this forever, that you're not stuck, that you may have sinned, that it's going to be forgiven, that you can't be changed. This foretaste of this glorification that's going to happen, that Christ is going to come back. Have you ever had a day where you thought, man, I wish Christ would come back today. I'm sick of this place. And we've all had days like it. It's called Monday. You know what I'm talking about? We have this time, this, these moments where we're like, man, I wish Christ would come back. I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm tired of this struggle. I'm tired of my flesh. I just want Jesus. I want to I be. It's, it's this, the Holy Spirit reminds us that that, that day's coming, that we have this hope, not just for this life, but for the life that's to come. And he goes, the Holy Spirit within us is a foretaste, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. I'm going to stop right there. God wants you to have full rights. It's not him who's limiting, it's us. By the way we think, by what we do, we, we have this mentality that I've got to work myself into God's graces or that, that God's mad at me, or that I've got this, this, this sin or these issues that I can't ever overcome. Here, listen, none of that's true. That Romans 8 is a reminder, man, that if you're part of the family of God, if you're a child of God, there are privileges you get that God is working in all our lives. And he gives us hope. And I wrote down four things, three things real fast. We have hope, so we wait. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. We have hope, but God is working. God is his working in our lives. He's changing us. He's reminding us. And we have hope, but we're wanting. Hear me on this. This point is so important. We have hope, but we're wanting. We're wanting to see people saved. We're wanting to see the kingdom of God move forward. We're wanting to see the family of God grow because we have this hope. So let me ask you this. Are you part of the family of God? Do you walk around and claim, claim, claim your privileges? Hear me, claim them. I'm not condemned. You're not condemned. Claim it. And I'm not giving you a license to go do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just claiming the supernatural power that God chooses not to look at our sins. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Holy Spirit's power. You have hope. God's working in your life. Well, here's how I want to close today. I think Cameron and, and Allie are going to come up here and they're going to sing a song. You're going, to, you're going to stay seated today. It's a song to reflect. It talks about just the Holy Spirit for a chance to reflect. But if you have a decision to make after the service, after that Leslie and I will be down here and we would love to talk to you and pray with you about anything that's going on in your life whether that's accepting Christ or recommitting to Christ or just, man, I just need to talk about 
I have not felt the Holy Spirit in my life. Whatever that is, I want, I want you to know that they're going to be, we'll be down front. We'd love to talk to you. But for the next few moments, I want you to reflect on where you're at. I want you to listen to the words of the song, thinking about your life as a child of God. And I want to pray for you. Father, Lord, I don't know. Sometimes we just get turned upside down. We have such a performance-based society that if we do good, then we get good. And Lord, I struggle with this too sometimes. It's just to believing that, that you love me unconditionally. You love us unconditionally. That all our sins could be forgiven. Sometimes that is just an unbelievable fault uh, to believe. But Lord, I pray that we would believe it today. I pray that we would trust your word that says this. I pray, pray that we would believe that, that we're not condemned, that we have your spirit. The spirit of God lives inside of us to guide us, to change us, to help us, to comfort us. No, Lord, I pray we, we just understand the power that we have because you are with us. So, Lord, let us walk out of here with just hopeful, whatever is thrown our way, whatever we do, whatever's done around us, that we know that this is not the end, that we're not going down, but you're working. You're coming back one day. We will be glorified, as crazy as that sounds. We'll be like you. So, Lord, help us to focus on these things and believe them. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.